You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon, testimonies from reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to subscribe and share these videos and like and comment, et cetera, et cetera. This week's guest is Katie Warner who is a lot of things, but I'm going to her website, full-time Catholic wife and mom, writer and speaker. And most importantly, no, not most importantly, but it's pretty cool, graduate from the Augustan Institute, (laughs) um, enthusiastic about her faith. Uh, Katie, first of all, welcome to the show and and thank you for being being on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Eddie. It's great to talk with you. So, you are unique in that and we've talked to some cradle catholics but i want you to go into your story of what it means to be a cradle catholic that essentially i don't know i can't speak for your whole journey but there seems to be a fire throughout that was lit and i'd love for you to just dive in and maybe talk about some of the the, your childhood and how you've come to this place in your life yeah thanks eddie um I'll talk about that difference between cradle Catholic stories and convert and revert stories in a little bit, but I really do, like you said, I think my story is one that's really just a testament to God's grace. Um, In my youth, my dad left his lucrative secular advertising career to work in ministry full-time, so I was always involved in ministry somehow myself, from passing out donation envelopes in the back of church for pro-life ministry to helping on television commercial shoots for our media apostolates for True Media and Catholics Come Home, And then years later started managing communications, which I still do um, for Catholics Come Home that has allowed me to dialogue with literally thousands of fallen away Catholics and others who have questions about Catholicism or want to come home to the church over the past 10 years. So I was really blessed as a young kid to witness my parents' transformation after their own reversion in the faith. They were always Sunday mass going Catholics, but their faith was really ignited in my childhood. And that obviously impacted my sisters and I, who were affected in our own faith by their example. Um, When I was in middle school, I had a powerful encounter with our Lord in front of the Blessed Eucharist, where I felt him speak very clearly to my heart that he wanted me to serve him with my whole life and specifically to share and teach the faith. So that desire just kept growing into somewhat of an evangelistic fire. I often say I miss the junior high and high school Katie who grabs stranglers sitting on the outskirts of the lunch area with no friends and invite them to our table to eat lunch. Um, And just honestly look for any and all opportunities to share my faith and to live my faith in everyday life. It was a really Holy Spirit driven time of my life in more of an obvious way. Whereas now the spirit moves in a much subtler, or maybe I'd say more private, less showy way in the atmosphere of home life. Um, But yeah, as as a youth, I just wasn't really lured or tempted by a lot of the things that young people are tempted with. I cared more about going to daily mass and adoration and learning about the lives of the saints. I hope to go on to study theology in college. And even though my path to studying theology changed a bit, I ended up with degrees in communication and professional writing before I went on to the Augustine Institute to study theology in graduate school. Proof that God knows what he's doing because I definitely used those previous degrees. Um, I just continued to learn that abandonment to his will and to trust in his better plans. You know, instead of getting a PhD and teaching theology, I wanted to teach at the Augustine Institute actually um, and had been talking with Tim Gray about it. And um, instead, I ended up meeting my husband while I was at the AI and getting married and moving out of state and having a bunch of kids. And now I get to introduce my young children to Christ and his church. And it has brought so much more joy and fulfillment than I could have ever expected or planned for myself. So, you know, Eddie, um, I was thinking today about how cradle Catholics often have stories with far less spiritual twists and turns and dramatic conversions. But I think there's something really important to be learned in these stories of very steady growth and perseverance in faith in the spiritual life. I've had several dear friends who have recently experienced a reversion in their faith and their zeal is so beautiful and strong and amazing to witness. 
but there's always ebbs and flows in the spiritual life. Times when praying comes easily and fruitfully, and then other times where it's really difficult and the mission of prayer becomes more faithfulness to it rather than those momentous takeaways and consolations always being drawn from it. So I think cradle Catholic stories can really remind us that there's just a sense of attachment one has to have in recognizing the presence of God in every moment, even when his presence is not readily apparent. There's a need to always be asking for the inspirations of the Holy Spirit in one's life and listening more attentively to them and responding to them faithfully so that he can continue to live and move and breathe in us, even in those moments of spiritual stillness or steadiness. That's very well said. Now, once, so, so it's so important to me is what you, takes me back to when my wife and I were attending a non-denominational church and we have some really, really dear friends and um, my wife's friend said to us, hey, you know, I don't want necessarily my kids to, to feel like they have to have some overly dramatic, overly difficult experience. Everyone has their own cross to bear. But her point was, we talk about these testimonies as if the one, the person that hits rock bottom and is redeemed as if that's the only type of testimony. But just as important are those testimonies where what you were saying, just steady, steady, the perseverance. And that's not just in any way say that those people don't endure crosses it's to say it's not the same type of conversion or reversion that many people deal with yeah it's so beautiful that the lord has allowed all of these different stories within the church because there is so much to be learned from like you said the dramatic conversions you know i i heard a conversion story the other day of um, a priest friend of ours at the same time he was becoming a priest his brother was a militant atheist who had been brought into atheism by his girlfriend and one night after 13 years of preaching atheism his girlfriend sits up in the middle of the night and says i have to go back to church so, I mean, there, there are these beautiful stories of just, you know, the Holy Spirit just pummeling someone with the truth, you know, after years of being in darkness or, or those just big Augustine, St. Augustine moments. And there's so many of those beautiful stories, but there are a lot of stories too, of, like you said, that kind of steady, that just steady growth in faith. The, the crosses that may not be so dramatic and heavy, but are those little areas where God is just trying to pick and prune and work away at you. And, um, and as I alluded to, as I was, as I was talking a little bit about my testimony so much of that has come through the difference between the spiritual life before marriage and family and afterward I talked to so many moms who kind of share that feeling of like I felt so much holier (laughs) before I got married and had kids you know and and I think a lot of that comes from our ability to be in the chapel so much more frequently at daily mass so much more frequently like doing all of those things and I emphasize the word doing right that make us feel really connected to our faith and very strong in the spiritual life but the spiritual walk is so much more about being who we become than what we do and so it's it can be hard to detach ourselves from that and to say lord it's 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 truly a a challenge and a beautiful work to learn to just love our family really well mother Teresa was constantly hitting that home every time she was speaking to people was go home and love your family it can be it can be easier to go love strangers and to go evangelize people outside the home so much easier to do that than just to turn to your spouse in a moment of frustration and show them the love of Christ. Wow. And so I feel like so much of um, the testimony of, of cradle Catholics and all Catholics, because once you convert, this becomes your story, you know, of, yeah. of the steady growth in faith and just learning to love and deal with all of those little daily crosses and moments of, of pruning and growth in the Holy Spirit on that moment to moment basis in regular life. There, yeah, totally agree. I was talking to a buddy of mine who has five children and you know they're right in the middle of it just like we are and it's a lot and he said that there was an old friend that I think may have had two kids one kid it doesn't really matter but the the friend said what are you doing it was almost like what are you doing in the church right now and 
he kind of thought about it for a second. What do you mean? Like volunteer? Am I not doing enough? Like what, what are you getting at? And eventually it hit him. He said, oh yeah, you're asking if I'm doing things for the church. And he said, right now, my vocation is to raise this family. And he didn't have any remorse about that, any guilt about that. I just want to mention that because that transition from single to married, the vocation change that I don't know that we talk about a lot. And I've said, this is, you can definitely serve and have a lot of children. That's not my point. But we were joking and I said, no one's going to come up to you and say, hey, weren't you that exceptional lector? Yeah. How, are your, <laughs> how are your kids doing? Because yeah, they, they didn't see you because no, that's not the best example. But we were just joking about the little right. things that mean a lot to the congregation. But um, sometimes we need to be reminded of what the primary vocation is. And I definitely needed that. So it was, it was that's, good. Yeah. That's so good, Eddie. Like another way to answer that question, what are you doing for the church? I'm building up the future church. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm making sure True. the church is here in the next generation and strong and holy. Um, it, Cause it is, it is like you said that, and that is a legitimate struggle, I think for young people, young parents who have that fire for their faith and want to share it and want to help the church and do ministry and everything. That was a huge transition for me. I, you know, I had a, a national speaking ministry before I became a mom, but it, it was, it was so surprisingly easy to put that aside <laughs> because that's I, awesome. because there's a calling that's just that's truly great and, and has an impact that's so much greater than we can even see when you're in the middle of it, you know, and, and to also know that there's different seasons in life. I think we can get stuck in the season we're in and thinking this is going to last forever. Um, I mean, I really love the little years, so I'd be okay if this season lasted a really long time. But I know from just talking to other moms, especially who can get overwhelmed with the season of diapers and materials on the floor and all that kind of stuff you know like the all these seasons yeah. really go by in the blink of an eye when you're on the other side of them so if you have that passion in your heart to to teach the faith to speak to whatever it is whatever kind of ministry you're really called to God's not saying no for good, no for life, you know, but there's a calling that you can immerse yourself into so fully now that will equip you in ways that you can't quite see for that ministry work that's on your heart to do at some point later. But yep. I do think it's really important for women in particular and in our social media age in particular, when you see people online that look like they're doing it all, um, to, to recognize that you, you don't have to have side gigs. You don't have to be a successful professional and a great stay-at-home mom. Like you can really pour yourself into home life and, and, that's, and that's really good and holy and just every bit as worthy you know, as, as all of this other ministry work that other people can see and notice and give you, you know, a claim for. Love it. I'm so glad that you said that because yeah, my wife has brought that up before like this, everyone loves to compare and there are assumptions about this must be a living saint. And yeah. we have no clue. I think what you said initially is what we do know is that if you're prayerful and you are doing your best to stay in tune, in step with the Holy Spirit, maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to do this, that, or the other. I mean, that's something that I have to come back to, but I know especially mothers, and like you said, in the social media age, there are these constant, it's almost like an assault on on like, well, how do I respond to this? How, how do I compete even if that yeah. enters your, your mind, you know? No, I, that's, yeah. a, uh, those are all really good points. Cause I, another thing that I hear with women is, okay, well, when that season in my, in life comes, I'm going to be way behind the game because there's all these women who are building up their platforms and all that are met, whatever, you know, everybody just getting ahead, you know, in, 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 and I, I also sometimes think of the Tower of Babel, like, well, we're not here to make a name for ourselves, right? So, but that, that temptation is much stronger in the age we're living in. It's always been there. But I think because like you said, it's in our face 24 seven, and all you can see is that little square <laughs> that gives gives you an impression that one's whole life is that one little square 
moment, you know, that one little perfect corner of the house or whatever that is. And I think if our attention diverts too far away from the mission that God has called us to in our own home and, and into the homes of other people and what we don't actually know is really happening there, then, then there's not really Holy Spirit movement going on in sure. that place. If it's, if it's unsettling us and if it's making us very unsure about our own vocation, then that's when, you know, there's got to be some distance there. And even in my own, just my own experience, it wasn't so much seeking, you know, what can I do? What, what do I do to serve the church? And how do I fulfill this dream? It was the Holy Spirit really opened doors and dropped things in my lap. And so it just became very much oh, okay, I'll do this, you know, and then, and then everything else that was disruptive to my primary vocation was very easy to say no to. So I think that there, there's so many, I mean, there's so many wiser spiritual directors that can, you know, shed light on the discernment process, but I do think a discernment process is needed in this age where we have the impression where, you know, we got to follow all of our dreams. And for yeah. some reason, those dreams usually aren't raising holy kids, you know, <laughs> that should be tops on our list. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I definitely want to get into a lot of what you're doing now, but kind of transitioning to that. Can you go back to the Catholics come home? Because I, I forgot to mention that in the intro and you brought it up. When did that start? Can you tell the listeners just a little bit more about that and where it is uh, currently? Yeah, totally. So Catholics Come Home was um, a, a very small apostolate in the Diocese of Phoenix, um, started in the Diocese of Phoenix during the Jubilee year 2000. Bishop okay. Olmsted, um, God bless him, wanted to invite a lot of Catholics from the Diocese of Phoenix home to the church. So he hired my dad, who's the founder of Virtue Media, a, a media pro-life media organization, Got and then then eventually Catholics come home um, to create a media campaign to invite people home. It, to this day, Eddie, it astounds me that someone can watch a television commercial and come home to the church. <laughs> I, I mean, as someone who has done this work for almost my entire life, <laughs> I just can't, because of how, because of the different impact I have when watching a television commercial, I just, it, it blows my mind. But one thing I've learned throughout all of these years and all of the people I've dialogued with um, who have come home to the church, so many of them don't have serious grievances with the church. They're just looking for an invitation. And so these television commercials, I mean, like the most what you, seemingly secular, you know, piece of, of material, were able to extend that invitation. And so many people would say, I was sitting on my couch and all of a sudden, it was like the Holy Spirit was calling me home, you know? So, I mean, the stories were so beautiful. They poured in, the mass attendance in Phoenix rose dramatically. I mean, so beautiful, so much fruit. So um, it was clear that the Holy Spirit was calling it to go bigger. And so the commercials got much more um, high quality and eventually it became a national and international model where we would partner with dioceses around the country sure to run programs in their diocese. The diocese would then equip their parishes to be ready to welcome a lot of inactive Catholics and others home to the church. And the ministry grew from there. So my role has always been, um, or I should say has primarily been um, fielding all of the emails that come through our apostolate. So people that are wanting to come home to the church after seeing a banner or an ad or, you know, whatever, they just want to come home to the church. They want to know the next steps. Um, also people who are interested in converting to the church um, and wanting to know what to do. And then also everything else under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> so, lots of people who are very angry with the church, people who had really painful experiences. It is amazing how much their whole view of the church can be turned around with the smallest bit of compassion from a Catholic stranger. I mean, I, I am totally blown away by some of the extremely vitriolic emails I'll get. Yeah. And in just a gentle response of saying, I am so sorry you were hurt, you know, like just very simple addressing rather than brushing under the rug, you know, whatever their experiences were wow. or ignoring them. A lot of these people say they've just been 
their emails have been ignored by people. They, they want to be heard. Yeah. Just want someone to lend an ear and to say, I'm sorry, I love you. Jesus is still here in this church and he wants to, oh, wow. you know, and so it, it has been truly a humbling blessing to be a part of it to most of the stories I don't know the ending you know people are it's much more common for someone to email me to respond and then I never hear from them ever again I can't wait to get to heaven and see what happened you know but um but once in a while I'll I'll get a response and it's just it makes the whole mission just so worth it there was a gentleman who emailed me seven years ago and just a few months ago emailed to share his faith journey from that moment when he emailed me to seven years later, after having gone through RCIA, brought his brother through RCIA, brought his wife through RCIA, having fought overseas for our country and the spiritual experiences he had there. I was bawling my eyes out when I read this email in thanksgiving to God over the fact that there are so many of these stories in the lives of all sorts of Catholics. You don't have to work for a, a Catholic apostolate to experience stories like this. If you have those moments where the Holy Spirit is just leading you to invite a neighbor back to church or to just say something and compassionate to someone who's been hurt by someone in the church. That's so many stories. If someone was hurt by yeah. even another lay person, yep. I mean, like, and it and it shook their whole, damaged their whole faith. You know, to just have that opportunity, and and who knows, you, you know, years later in heaven, you could find out that little bit of compassion, that one invitation, that very small act of saying yes to the Holy Spirit in that moment can change someone's spiritual life forever. Um, that that's definitely one of the biggest takeaways I've had from doing this work. And I'm so thankful for it. Well, you said it. I was going to say you're so blessed in that role. That is amazing. I I was going to draw a parallel. Uh, It's an odd one, I'm sure. But customer service, you know, you'd get these calls when I did customer service. And you could not imagine the screaming that was taking place. And if you were able to handle it, speak to them, let them know, you know, where you recite back to them. Let me understand. Right, right. But I understand what it is that hurt you or, you know, what's wrong. Um, but in your case, it's more of a soul, soul service because you are able to feel that just be that person that listens. And I've heard a number of stories, not as many as you, but I've heard a number where, like you said, it was one incident with a single lay person, but because that person was claiming they are a devout Catholic or, or if it was clergy, what that person now, they offended me and I am going to leave. And they'll even tell people, I mean, that's how I know about it. They'll tell people, well, I had a really bad incident. Like, like you said, Jesus is still in the church. We yeah. understand like people are hurting people all the time, everyday life. Right, right. Um, so you don't dismiss it, but you're also saying, hey, that is not a representation of the greater church, you well, know. And, and, and I mean, and on occasion too, there's reasons I should, on, on common occasion, I should say, yeah. there are reasons that are given that are masked for the real reason for leaving, you know, like lots of time there's hidden moral issues, you know, like wanting to live against the teachings of the church and knowing that you can't. So then there's a scapegoat reason, you know, so there's all sorts of those kind of dynamics that come into play, but like, because we're not Christ and can't read the heart, you know, it just, just tackling the surface with just compassion and truth. I mean, that, that charity and truth, that's like, I mean, that was a bit, we used to make jokes about that during my AI days. Like that was one, there was one class where we're like, every answer is charity and truth. Um, because it, that that's really what Christ is calling us to in all of these interactions is just, just being an example of his love and truth in that moment. Yeah. It, like it's going to have an impact. It just immediately softens people and it also confronts people with truth. I mean, I, it's also just such a beautiful opportunity to preach the truth that people, I think, not, I think, but I know they're yearning to hear. They want someone to tell them something that's countercultural, even if they don't want to hear it. It's very, it's a, it's a strange dynamic, but their heart was made for it. So, I mean, even the number of elderly people I get who want a pass on certain moral teachings of the church 
because they're old. It's a very strange phenomenon, but that's a very common email I get from elderly people is about, you know, sex within the context of marriage. Well, I'm old, so does that matter anymore? Absolutely. Yeah. It does. Have I you hit know? the threshold and now nothing? Of <laughs> but like, there's obviously yeah. these conscience movements, you know, that are leading people to ask the question that they're afraid to hear the answer to. And that just gives me a lot of hope for our culture because it can look really bleak and like there are a lot of dead consciences out there but I think there's a lot more going on you know in people's souls and a lot and a lot of God moving inside of them and and they're yearning they're seeking and they need to encounter those brave Christians I'm not calling myself brave a lot of this is screen to screen and I never get to meet these people in person it's much harder to do face to face but they're just looking to meet that that person who's willing to actually tell them the truth instead of what will bring them comfort, that that greatness versus comfort, you know, um, dynamic that only the church can offer people today. That is great. And I've, I've wondered, and people have been asked this on YouTube comment sections, these guys that will come in and they always seem like they're just trying to stir things up. And then you end up asking, why are you here? Like, yeah, right. Why would this be a valuable use of your time? And you pray for them that they're actually somewhere in there seeking. And they're just like, ah, you know, I don't know what to do with all these emotions. I'm going to lash out at people. Why am I on this video? Oh, you know, maybe they do need to do some introspection and realize, okay. And on top of it, if they are that angry, this is more of an opportunity for Christians. If they're that angry and they're met with anger, doesn't quite help anything. Exactly. Um, so exactly. we should just keep trying like to realize, okay, they're angry. But even if you show love and there's more anger, you're called to show love. You're called to show love. Don't match their, their anger. And I think, I think Eddie, that's truly, um, a, a, cha- a challenge at like such an important challenge that Christians are being called to today because the, the powers out there are so strong against the church and just a lot of the, just a lot of what's going in our, on in our culture. I feel like there is a temptation to look outside of you and to see just filth and to project that onto the actual people who are living those lifestyles. And we just have to continue to find Christ in those people that we view and those people that we encounter who can have such radically different belief systems than we do and lifestyles than we do. It's as soon as you stop seeing Christ in them, it just, there, there's so much darkness that comes upon you too, because you lose your hope in humanity. And so to be able to just continue to find Christ in these people and and to and to be able to show Christ to them is so so important especially now in the in the very polarized you know anti-life very secular culture that we're living in yeah I just read I don't remember which book it was but some great author mentioned you know if you don't realize who you're talking to or let me put it differently don't you realize the person you're talking to that seems so far off in an instant could it be could have more faith than you currently have you don't understand what god can do with redemption so if you look at that person and you say a lost cause or oh look at me do you realize what god could do with that person and all of a sudden they're on fire and they're trying to reach other people we have no idea and these things happen with all over the place we have no clue what's we don't see it you have your view I have my view. There are things happening that would blow our minds. That's so, that's so good. It's so true. And that really is such a great, you know, story demonstration of the virtue of hope. As soon as we assume that people are a lost cause, that is the sin of despair. So when I, especially when it comes to this Catholics come home, you know, concept, I really try to look at every person away from the church, not as if they'll come home, but when, like, it's just a matter of when, and it can bring so much hope, even if you have loved ones away from the church, because I certainly do, Uh, you know, to just know the Lord is hearing my prayer and he will always bring good fruit from these prayers. Like these prayers are never wasted. And it's just a matter of when my loved one is coming home, you know, and that just brings so much hope, um, 
you know, in, 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 in that struggle, when you have loved ones who are so far away or, or encounter, like you said, just strangers or anybody yeah. meet, to just have that hope that, like you said, in an instant, in an instant, they can become a saint, you know, that just, just some, and that, that reminds us too, in the midst of our spiritual lives, like it really is just abandonment. Like it's something so seemingly simple, and <laughs> but yet, so challenging to do. Like get yourself exactly. out of the picture and let God fill in and everybody's good to go. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So now I, I definitely want to cover some of what you do so specifically in the area of, of children's writing what's so interesting is i mentioned before we got on the call that we have some of your books i didn't know your name you know I, we just we love books the kids love books and what was so striking about the ones that we have specifically is it this is the mass is that Church. Is that what it's called? This is the church. This is the mass. Yeah, this is the church. <laughs> okay, I have titles that have mass in it too. But, <laughs> what I love about children's books, not just Catholic children's books, but just those that stand the test of time, when you get an illustrator that matches the writing, and I think you've done that very, very well. So anyway, I want you to talk about that, how the genesis yeah. of that and where it is today and all the books that you've released. Yeah, I really appreciate Eddie that you noticed that. That's a huge thing for me. And so it's it's kind of like a, a publisher deal breaker <laughs> cases. Like I'm like, I need this illustrator for this text and it's only gonna be this yeah. way. <laughs> so I that, that's not common in the children's book industry. You don't usually get all of that say. But um, but it it is so important to me that the art it is is truly bringing to life the story and when there is that match it's just magic for readers because it's just this it's really a piece of art which is what I, I love about children's book writing but anyway to get back to the beginning um so my dear friend Meg Whalen and I were both at the Augustine Institute and um she was studying it she was also in art school at the same time she was getting her degree oh, wow. in theology I don't know how she juggled that but <laughs> she managed to do it and um and so she would show up to her um to her classes at the AI you know that I was also in and show me some of her latest pieces of art that she was working on in art school and I just fell in love with her artistic style and I mean then she became a good friend over several years um we uh, totally by the grace of the Holy Spirit we both ended up we were living in Denver at the same time then we ended up living in Orlando or uh, she was a little bit outside of Orlando but we both ended up li living in Florida at the same time so we got to stay in touch over the years and I just really wanted more kids to experience her artwork. She would send my kids for, you know, their baptism days or birthdays, these little books that she would, you know, illustrate and then print off at like the equivalent of a shutterfly or whatever. And I'm like, Meg, why are you getting these published by a Catholic publisher? So beautiful. And she's a very phlegmatic personality. So she'd be like, yeah, yeah, I should do that. And so um, as time went by, and I was reading hundreds, if not thousands of children's books to my first kids and falling in love with children's books. Um, we just realized that the Holy Spirit was really putting it on our hearts to start a Catholic children's book line that was as attractive and unique and fun as secular best-selling children's books, but also had all of the orthodoxy and goodness and truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. So we just really wanted books that our kids would be excited to run and grab off the shelf and read to us. And though we had a lot of good Catholic children's books at the time in terms of content, like catechetical content in our home, um, we were missing books that had a lot of the joy and the really beautiful and whimsical artwork and that delightful feel to them that made our kids really excited. Um, so we really, as parents, we wanted our kids to fall in love with Jesus and the saints and the church through the joy of reading about them. And then with graduate degrees in theology, we also knew we didn't want to water anything down. So these ended up becoming the books that we wish that we had for our kids. And we're so blessed that they now exist and that we get to share them with others. So that's kind of the backstory of First Love Faith it. Treasury. I now have some other illustrators that have illustrated for us too. One of them being the illustrator of our newest title, Jack Giorgio, Amy Rodriguez, who's fantastically talented. I'm working with another illustrator right now that's kind of like under wraps while we're in the production process, but she also is so beautifully talented. I love these young girls who are still in school or right out of school and truly want to help children fall in love with their faith through beautiful children's book art. I mean, 
so many of us can think back to our own childhoods and remember some of the children's books our parents read to us. Like they make such a huge impact. So to think that our children are reading these books that are actually, you know, beautiful and fun, but also planting the seeds of faith is just really exciting and such an adventure and a blessing that I get to take part of it in some way. That's incredible. So the newest release is Jack Giorgio, Future Priest, right? Yes. yes. And so the idea behind the awesome, when was it released? Uh, a few days ago. Like, <laughs> I'm not going uh, to release dates anymore. It was, and also this, this, ever since COVID, book release dates are moved constantly. So it was once April, once May, once late May, then June. So it was, it was released last week. I can say awesome. with confidence. <laughs> well, make sure you send me all the links that you want yeah, totally. to, to see anyway. Um, so that one I had, I had a sneak preview there, which was really, <laughs> really beautiful. Um, what's cool about this again, in line with the other books is the inspiration so my kids i can just picture them reading this book where this this boy can i say anything about it you, yeah, you tell totally. me. <laughs> sure. yeah, go ahead. so this boy is trying to figure out like where are the superhero i don't you know these i read about superheroes where are the superheroes and isn't it the father that says well there's a there's a superhero just just keep your eyes peeled at mass right and the boy realizes kind of the the magnitude of the pre the humble priest but here is a real life superhero that is shepherding that is battling evil that is leading others to virtue that is true that's that's what it means to be a true super superhero and i can picture my boys especially and my daughters but my boys especially just being inspired. Does that mean they're going to become priests? No, but to get that mindset where the secular life, I mean, it's just inundated. I see superhero stickers on bananas. <laughs> My daughter said, why is there a Marvel character on a banana? And I said, that's a great point. That is an excellent point. Why is there a I used to, it used to say Chiquita on every yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't know what I'm, where I'm going with that, but all that to say, yeah, just to have that different vantage point that is just lost. I guess you can get there with your creativity, but it helps to have someone bring it to life. Yeah. You know, they, the book really started from conversations that my son and I had when it was just he and I, my firstborn, and we would go to daily mass together and we would point, I would point out to him, you know, some of the superhero like traits, the priests and like, just in the book, it talks about like incense, like holy smoke and the priest, you know, fighting evil with weapons of grace and weapons of the sacraments. And so to be able to make some of those connections for kids, like you said, like they're, they're looking for heroes in their own life, just like Jack Giorgio is in the book. And, and as you pointed out, there, there is just an attraction to superheroes, right, in our culture. So even just the cover really draws kids in. I have been so excited. My boys have not put this book down since it arrived. So, and it is really fun when my own kids are into the books that we do, because there's sometimes like a little bit of a less exciting appeal when it's like mommy's thing. So I was so excited, like literally both of my boys like have been walking around with this and I've been catching them reading it in corners. But, um, but just even the, and then in the, on the cover, you can see there's a shadow of a priest yes. behind Jack Giorgio. We've had people tell us that they've started crying just looking at the cover which is funny to hear but um but one of the things i did in the book too was kind of leave jack's story open at the end um like you said you know, we want to introduce our kids to the concept of vocations and of asking God what he wants for their life. And that's what the father ultimately tells Jack in this book is to just keep praying and asking God for his direction and his will, you know, in your life. Because um, that's what we want for our kids, right? We don't want to like brainwash them into becoming priests. It's a call. And so Jack's looking for that call and it kind of leaves it open at the end to see, you know, to, to just continue to love God faithfully and that God will call him. But it really is, the priesthood really is such a beautiful vocation that has these heroic qualities that I think we've lost, um, that, we, that we've really stopped looking for, both 
like for certain, certainly outside, but also sometimes within the church. I think part of it is being rocked by some of this priesthood scandals. Sure. The church. It really demonstrated for us the humanity of priests. And so I think we can forget to look at a truly holy and brave and virtuous priests and see those very heroic qualities in them um, that we want to teach our kids and that we also want to really respect and thank God for that, that the priest is truly set apart. Um, there's also a really on a uh, really awesome lineup of precincts mentioned in the book and mm -hmm. a litany end that's a, a fun opportunity to learn more about these popular canonized priest heroes of our faith um, a lot of them you know readers will already know you know saint john paul ii padre pio jose maria escriva max colby john bosco um, but it's really neat to learn need to learn about their priesthoods too because they're all so different and this kind of goes back to an earlier part of our conversation but like just demonstrates how unique God's call within a call is, you know, in this case, in the priesthood, it's so unique to every individual. And God has that in mind for us too, that just a totally unique story he wants to write with our lives and our vocations. If we just surrender to his will and become that instrument of his, we'll uncover this great potential to become a saint. Um, like these, you know, these heroic and brave priests that are depicted in the book. And that's ultimately the goal of this book and the companion book, Lily Lolek, Future Saint, which is like the girl version. Um, is to just really help children understand the excitement of the vocation to become a saint and to really live out God's call for your life. What was the um, compliment again? Is that one out? I didn't catch that. The compliment. Um, yes. Yeah. It's been out for, I think that one's a couple years old. Lily Lolek, future saint. Okay. It's that cute little girl on the front cover. I can give you the link. To no, I think we have that as well, actually. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying. Yeah. And we also had Iggy Peck architect. That's a difference. That's a yeah, difference. Okay. Difference. No, actually that, that is, I'm not surprised you mentioned yeah. that because that secular book yeah. has a very similar feel rhyme scheme. Rhyme style scheme. Yeah. Love that style. Yeah. That rhyme. It's really fun. It, the kids want to read it over and over and very... it gets stuck in your head. So that, that's what makes these books really fun too. But I, there was one, I wanted to share one quick story because yeah. I just, a, a priest at our parish just told us this the other day and it just blew my mind mind. But um, there was a priest who was recently ordained from our own parish just this past May. And when he was baptized, um, the priest who baptized him told his parents at his infant baptism, gave them a prophetic word, this boy is going to become a priest someday. And, and, and it just it just reminded me of, of the fact that like this vocation really is a vocation set apart for the service of God. And I mean, sometimes in, sometimes where the call is known from birth, but it's really amazing for our kids to just be able to see the priesthood in this light again, as well as other aspects of the book. Like I really wanted to highlight the beauty and the mystery of the depiction of the mass. Um, like let's not zone out when we're there. There's a miracle happening right in front of our eyes. The angels and saints are literally among us. Um, also the father son relationship that you mentioned that's portrayed in the book, the, you know, the dad and, and, and Jack Giorgio has this beautiful loving like father presence. Um, he's a guiding mentor in the book, helping Jack uncover the truth of heroism in our culture, nice. teaching him that men are called to sacrifice, you know, not, not to comfort and being a real spiritual leader of his family, helping him discern his vocation, not your everyday depiction of fatherhood in the media. So yeah. I was really excited for that to be a highlight, you know, feature in the book as well, to really draw out that father-son relationship and highlight for families what a gift that relationship is between a dad and a son, or even a dad and his daughters, just like the importance of the father figure and how much impact he can have on their faith. That's amazing. Yeah, I think about, you know, the headlines, all the headlines that re, uh, relate to priests, they're all all negative. And yeah. it relates to what you just said. I mean, that just further um, degrades, I guess, fatherhood. So people can just say, oh, yeah. he was supposed to be this and he's this, eh, whatever, you know, it just makes things worse. But it, I don't know who's going to focus on the positive, on the good Priest, yeah. but someone has to and even in these children's books i mean that's huge absolutely mm -hmm. huge 
Well, and I mean, chances are they're like, they're in your diocese somewhere, <laughs> you know, like those truly heroic and good priests. And so to be able to encourage them and to help them in their vocations, like it's just such a gift. The priest at our parish um, does, he's, he does such a great job building up the marriage ministry. And, and in exchange, like all of the married couples have been so supportive of him and also wanting to bring just so much reverence into the mass and so much fellowship within the parish and just it's amazing when you have that dynamic of supportive parishioners and a really just virtuous good holy priest the whole community can be set on fire and you end up drawing in people from the outside yeah. too. the number of new families i mean our 10 a.m mass at the parish it's like I mean, it can be hard to hear because there's so many young children making noise and what a blessing like and that's and that's how our pastor views it too is what a blessing this is such a noisy mass what a gift there are so many children in this church you know and I just it, it really is it, it's it's neat to be able to you know reflect in stories what children are experiencing in their real lives and vice versa our first book that we ever released was called i went to mass what did i see and it's it's more of a toddler level um text that kind of brown bear brown bear style oh to get them to focus for about five seconds or yeah, right exactly i went and, to mass what did i see yeah. i saw a holy water font near me it's very songy and that's awesome it was so cool because immediately after we released it, we heard of these young toddlers in preschool going into mass and reciting the book, pointing out, I saw the holy water font near me. I saw the priest in the aisle, literally reciting the words of the book. So excited that the book was coming to life for them and that their life was in the book. So it's just, there's just something really beautiful That's about great. children's literature. And, and adult literature is like that too. Like we know that we're shaped so much by the stories we read. And, and we can be so impacted by finding our own story within the stories that we read. So it's just, it's such a gift to be able to do that for your kids. I always say, it's just like books, good books, especially good children's books are always worth their line item in the budget. You know, it's, it's definitely a, an artistic craft. You're not gonna be able to pick these up for five bucks, but they, they're worth their weight because of the amount of impact that yes. one storybook can have on a child that that they'll want to read over and over again and the conversations that are that come from it are so beautiful and I think that's my other favorite part about this work is even sitting down with my own kids we're reading the storyline and then we're stopping and having these tangential discussions about really beautiful and deep matters of the faith even with young kids that sure. are just incredible and just really neat to have that launching point for catechesis all wrapped up like you said with beautiful artwork which is one of my favorite things to be able to do is to just work with some of these incredibly talented artists um, amy in this book has she switched between traditional illustrative style and then the mass scene is in graphic novel style awesome. which is really fun for for readers so there's just there's so much going on in the artwork too that so much of the catechesis just comes through the pictures you know so where can people get all the books. Yeah, firstfaithtreasury.com is our website where we keep a lot of the books. Um, all of our books are linked there as well as pictures to look inside the book and to read descriptions. We also have a treasure box email list there with access to our archives of all these um, activities, like some are liturgical themes, some are activities based on our books. That's totally free to access. So um, that's on our firstfaithtreasury.com website as well. And then all of our books to date are published by TAN. So you can also go Go to tanbooks.com to order the books directly as well. Perfect. Okay. Well, since we were talking about children's books, what what are your favorite secular or religious? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. I was like, don't make me pick a favorite among these. It's like picking a favorite kid. But um, <laughs> but um, but just okay for children's for secular children's books. There's one that's delightful, and you would appreciate this in a large family. Maybe you already have it called the Seven Silly Eaters. Have you, have you heard of that one? We just checked it out at the library two days ago. Oh, you're never going to want to give it back. Well, but it's, <laughs> I should say rechecked out. The, the rhyming in that book is brilliant. Uh, I, it really is, as well as the illustrations. Yes. Yes, that book is an absolute And the kids delight. are laughing hysterically the I entire time. I could never get sick of reading it. I could awesome. never get sick of reading it. So yeah. 
Um, so yes, that that is probably one of my all-time favorite secular picture books. Um, for a secular board book, this is one I would recommend in addition to like gifting our, our board books for kids when they're for their baptism days or birth. Um, a secular one that is my favorite is the 10 Little Fingers and 10 Little Toes by Mem Fox. Mm. It's it's just the sweetest book and there's not their kids absolutely love like the little wiggling their fingers and wiggling their toes and one of the things that that book taught me and I, I don't know if you if your family has father Ben gets ready for mass but yes, we do our, oh good okay yep. so in our picture I think I have that on my desk somewhere too um in our picture book father Ben gets ready for mass the kids get to interact with the different pages of the book and that is so it is so amazing to see children's level of excitement and engagement and take away knowledge when they when they get to move while they're reading be a part of the book interact with the book um i think 10 little fingers and 10 little toes toes does that really well um and, and just any of those books where you can kind of like engage in, yeah. in those like cuddles and moments and physical experiences with kids really cements their learning so that's really fun cool uh i'm gonna say a few just because yeah, what the please, heck? Yeah. I never I never talk about I love this. Books, this is my favorite. They're so awesome because we could do this for another get, hour. <laughs> seriously, because seeing the excitement in your kids. It, anyway, the glorious flight, which is about the um, uh, Louis Blériot, where he flew oh, okay. over the English Channel, and mm -hmm. brilliant book biographies. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, Night of the Moon Jellies. If you've okay. not read that, I have not read that one. Okay, go. Check it out at the library, okay, Night right. of the Moon Jellies. Night of the Moon Jellies. Okay. And then uh, for a religious book, Catholic book, uh, The Weight of the Mass. <gasps> yes, that is so beautiful. So, I, if I had to pick, yeah. Yep. I, it's so, it is the most beautiful parable. I, I just, I, it's one of those things where you just imagine that the author, Nabisco, I think is her last name. Yep. She was just woken up in the middle of the night and the Holy Spirit knocked her on the head. You know, like, it's just, it's just that good. It's such a beautiful, beautiful story. So I, I, a hundred percent. Yeah. I said the weight of the mass, the weight of a mass, a mass. To be yes, yes. more specific. Yeah. So yes. Well, cool. Really beautiful story. Uh, is there anything else you want to say, Katie? This has been well, just, a because blast. You just because you mentioned a picture book biography. Yeah, go ahead. I will say that next year we are coming out with our first picture book biography, which was really a joy to work on. Awesome. And the subjects are some very beloved and fairly recent saints that I know many of your listeners would know and be excited about. So make sure to get on our email list. I really wish I could talk more about it, but I'm super excited about that one. This is also with the new illustrator who is just just masterful at artwork so it is it's I'm really excited to like dabble in this genre too because there's something about also teaching your kids about the lives of the saints with an artistic story to accompany it that's just really beautiful and powerful and gets them really excited to be a part of that saint's life in that way so um yeah but I think I think that's it I don't get me started too much on on children's books no well, we might have to do <laughs> I might have to start a new uh a sub channel anyway uh, <laughs> talking about children's books uh it's just so much fun for the family so I, I have a uh, just a healthy very healthy respect for so many people that even I guess the the courage it takes to even step out and do anything entrepreneurial so I get into that mindset where I just I take the book and I think who is this person? I want to open the cover. I want to know who they are. I want to know when the book was written. Um, I don't know. I just like immersing myself. And then I can tell the kids more about the book. And it's just, it's really cool. Um, anyway, thank you for the cradle Catholic testimony, everything you're doing for Catholics come home, all the children's work and raising the family. Uh, God bless you and your husband and the kids and and everyone else and everyone i want to thank you for watching please share this please pick up katie's books um, and until next time take care and god bless bye